This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and this week I'm talking with Corey Fonville. After spending the first part of his career in the New York-based jazz world, Corey has evolved into playing and producing more groove-based music. His jazz resume includes Christian Scott, Nicholas Payton, Jackie Terrasson, and many more. But with his band Butcher Brown, and most recently with Charlie Hunter and Kurt Elling on their new project Super Blue, he is moving into a different set of musical values, exploring playing and tones that are firmly in the supporting role, rather than the more explosive and interactive jazz role he used to inhabit. We would appreciate your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content from our former guests. Think of this as professional development for drummers, all useful and actionable lessons for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. While you're there, you can learn more about this episode and check out our archive of over 300 episodes. Also, please subscribe to Working Drummer Podcast on your platform of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, however you listen, please leave us a rating and review. This helps new listeners find us. Our latest Patreon content features me. There's a new video there of me outlining a great warm-up routine I've been doing for close to 10 years now. There's so much out there that is billed as a warm-up when it's in fact more of a workout or a chop builder or something you should do after you actually warm up. So what's in that video is designed to wake up your hands and arms if they're totally cold and get them ready for the higher demands of actual drumming. Also great stuff there from Ash Sohn, Don Perry, Joe Bergamini, Stephen Chopek, and Chuck Palmer, talking about specific songs they've tracked drums for and all the technical and creative aspects of those recording processes. You can get access to this and the rest of our Patreon content for as little as $1 a month, so check that out. We'd really appreciate your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash working drummer. So this was a great talk with Corey. I definitely identify with the journey he's on in terms of moving away from a jazz background, but thinking about what parts of that background you want to take with you and what parts of your newer, truer musical identity you can bring back into the jazz world. In addition to that, he's always thinking beyond the drums, viewing everything he plays and his role in every project through more of a producer's lens. So here we go. Hope you dig Corey Fonville. yesterday i was out for about two and a half weeks with butcher brown cool we um we, we were doing like a bunch of uh, support dates with uh tom ish so we went from dallas to oakland um so i just got back home i'll see yeah yesterday friday i had a show after the butcher stuff ended we played um 
Virginia Beach uh, with Charlie Hunter and Kurt Ellen. Nice. So um, we did a one-off with them. So yeah, man, it's been kind of a wild two and a half weeks. <laughs> so it's nice to chill for a second. Yeah, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we could fit this in. Um, yeah, no, thank you, man. I was uh, stalking you on the internet, trying to figure out like what what is the you know latest thing for you as far as releases and tours and what's on your plate right now, and um, it 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 seems like it's it's the you know the the, the super blue thing and Butcher Brown, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and they both had releases last year. Yeah, uh, well, Butcher put out. Let's see, Super Blue came out in October. Um, and in Butcher, we dropped we dropped a couple singles. We dropped an EP back in June. Um, we did, we dropped King Butch September 2020. Um, I'm trying to remember everything because we dropped a lot of music to be honest. So like, <laughs> yeah. um, it's like throughout the year we dropped a remix in November. So yeah, man. I mean, kind of between both of those two, like that's kind of where my head has been at, um, just musically. Right. Right. Um, and I, I mean, it seems like, uh, you know, from the drumming perspective, they're fairly similar, uh, vibes. Aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's going on around the drums <laughs> is quite a bit different, especially with super blue and, and Kurt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, how did you, how did you make the acquaintance of, of Kurt Elling and or Charlie Hunter? Like how did super blue happen? Uh, well, Charlie definitely was the bridge between the two. Um, I know I've known Charlie since like 2016 um i met him one i met him in 2013 in brazil at a jazz festival down there and you know we just i got really excited i was like oh you're charlie hunter big fan you know as everyone is and um he was super cool man and honestly just you know i was like just hyped to speak to him for even like 10 minutes and so like that was the first moment second time came back around i was um playing with christian scott at the time and we did montreal jazz festival we did like a three-night stint at this uh venue there and each night was a different guest artist that would perform with the band. And Charlie was one of them. And, you know, I was super hyped about that because now we can finally play and, you know, hoping that he would like my play and we could, you know, really vibe out for an hour and a half. <laughs> and we clicked, man. I mean, automatically, just we were on the same page. I mean, we're both, like, really into funk and just groove-based music. Um, yeah. And so from then on, we just maintained contact. And you know, just through online and just, you know, every now and then just text him or something. And then uh, he just, I think he just kept up with me mm-hmm. just through the internet and just what I was up to. Yeah. And it got to a point where I think um, he got approached by Kurt's people about like doing a record. Um, this like I'm back in 2020, like mm-hmm. we were in pandemic at this point. So we got to a place where, you know, he was, I guess he got reached, um, Kurt's manager reached out to him and was just like, Hey, um, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, you know, Kurt's been doing this acoustic thing for a while now, but um, I think we want to try to switch it up and um, do something fresh. And so Charlie was like, okay, well, you know, what exactly is it that you're looking for? And he explained that to him, to Charlie. And of course, um, I guess Charlie's wheels got spinning and he was like, well, I know some people that I think would be a very good fit for this. And he was like, Can, you know, I, I'm, I'm good friends with the Butcher Brown guys. Um, you know, I can reach out to see, you know, if they would be into this. And so what happened was like, shoot, back in summer of 2020, I get a call from Charlie. He's just like, hey, dude, you know, I wanted to see if, you know, you'd be down to help me co-produce this Kurt Elling record. And I was just kind of like, Kurt Elling? Yeah, of course. You know, I was, I obviously had a bunch of respect for Kurt, um, you know, from all the stuff he had done. Right. From 
you know, the 90s up until now. Yeah, and so, like, you said summer of 2020. This is, like, the middle of the worst of the pandemic, right? So, like, yeah, <laughs> Butcher, yeah, yeah. Butcher Brown is home, like, ain't shit happening, and yeah, <laughs> you get this call. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, you know, Butcher was, we were doing, we were active, man. We were just recording, as we normally would. Um, so, Charlie calls me and explains the situation, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm super into this. And, you know, he asked if I, you know, if DJ... Devon DJ Harrison would be down to also be a part of it. Um, and so I, you know, I was like, I'm sure he's gonna be down, bro. He'd be super hyped, especially because you're Charlie and he's a fan too. You know, everybody loves Charlie Hunter, yeah. you know, from his work on Voodoo and just all of his own records, the duo album, you know, he just has that history. Yeah. So, you know, I circled back to um Charlie and he was just like, Man, that's awesome. So we got moving on it fairly quick. Once um the fall hit, like around like October, like late October, close to Halloween. And then we did like another session right before Thanksgiving of 2020. We just kind of got it in, man. We recorded everything um, in Richmond, Virginia. He drove up from Greensboro. Um, That's so right. I was going to say, like, you're you're kind of in the same neighborhood there, right? Because you're in Richmond. Not too, I'm, well, you know, I live actually, I'm from down there, but um, I live in Maryland now. Okay. So I live in the uh, D.C. area. I'm in Baltimore specifically. So like a couple hours away. Um, so we got up and we did three days. We did two, uh, two, three day sessions, um, one in October and then another one in November. And we just recorded, we just kind of wrote stuff on the spot in the studio. And Kurt was very trusting of like the process and what we would do is just send him music. Like we would send him the songs, like after we recorded, we would just bounce it and then fly it to him. And so like a lot of people don't know, we didn't actually meet Kurt until later in 21. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Charlie, of course, knew Kurt, but like, Right. DJ and I had no, we, we had never crossed paths with him like that. So, um, you know, he was just trusting, man, and just let us do our thing. Um, and, you know, obviously the Butcher Brown aesthetic is going to be there just because of, you know, you have a couple of us in the band that are part of this project. And it's it was recorded at the same studio that we do all of our own records. So, you know, you can hear that sound. Yeah, for sure. So that was kind of how it started, man. And I mean, I'm grateful that Charlie gave us a chance because he even said, he's like, you know, I mean, we could call, I could, you know, reach out to Steve Jordan. I could reach out to, you know, people like that, which are obviously gods out here. Yeah. But he's just like, you know, I know younger guys that can get the job done too. So like, I had a lot of like respect for that, you know, to at least trust in us to be able to, to, to deliver, yeah. you know, a great product. So, you know, that's kind of how the relationship started. And since then, you know, we now just finished up the second album. So, oh, so there's another one coming. Yeah, we just finished it up. Yeah. Man, nice. Yeah. We try to move quick, man. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like what was the experience like of of like first making this record, you know, away from Kurt, like you've never met him. Um, mm -hmm. but then you you get to tour this stuff and play it live. Like how was how was the mm -hmm. experience coming together in person with Kurt and, mm -hmm. and doing this stuff live? Oh, you know, we did the first show in Virginia and um, you know, that was our first time like meeting him and vibing out together. It was dope. It was a nice first show to kind of get warmed up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were all like, okay, we haven't played this music live since we, we, never. We never played it. And like on a stage in front of people, we had to like relearn it again. Right. You know, cause you know, so much time had gone by. And so um, it was, it was a great first show to be honest. I mean, for a first show, like you can't ask for much better. And so, you know, we just had to, you know, really dive in prior. We did like a rehearsal the day before down in, in Richmond. And so um, just so everybody can get, you know, acquainted with everything. 
Um, but you know, it was funny just to see the evolution. Like every show just got better. Hmm. You know, we played our next show in Chicago where he's from, where Curtis is from. And then we did a show in a festival in San Jose. And then of course, like <clears throat> we go to Europe in September and, you know, it just seemed like, you know, it just got better, better and better. Like that we were able to like start, like, you know, explore, exploring, uh, musically, with some of the songs. Right. But, um, I, yeah. was, I was going to say, like, when, when you record remotely like that, I mean, even though the three of you were together, you know, you're you're away mm. from Kurt, and, um, mm. you know, those <laughs> those songs and those arrangements, like, you know, got to be on lockdown just to, yeah. to be able to record them. So I, I would yeah. imagine that, you know, like you said, a lot more exploring happened, a lot more improvisation happened. I mean, Kurt is, like, as far as vocalists go, I feel like Kurt is is just one of the strongest improvisers in jazz history. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely, I agree. Um, I mean, I've, I'm honestly, you know, I mean, I've I've worked with quite a few singers in my career at this point, and um, he's definitely one of the top that I've seen. He's always consistent. I mean, the mic is always on, yeah. as Prince would say. <laughs> like, the mic is on, and. He's not playing. It's straight up. He's his pitch is perfect. I mean, basically, in my mind, it's like he sounds like the record. I mean, it's old school. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was cool because this time around, you know, they came to Richmond to cut the vocals. They did the vocals last time in um, Champaign, Illinois, mm-hmm. closer to Chicago. And um, so this time they came to Richmond. We did the recording at the studio called Montrose Studios in Richmond. Um, incredible studio. Shout out to Adrian Olson. Um, we had a great time there, and. Um, you know, like hearing him in the studio in person is pretty nuts, man. Like his background, his his back skills are nuts. Um, you know, just him in the studio, like he can knock it out in one take. Just pro, just pro yeah, shit. Yeah. You know, it's next level. And I would imagine that like he has he has such a unique tone too that I I would imagine like being in the room with mm-hmm. like his actual tone, his actual voice, um, mm-hmm. is just like another <laughs> kind of another oh, level man. up from you it's know, bizarre, man. Just it's, such he's, a powerful he's, instrument he's got. He's a beast, man. And um, it's also cool, like, because, you know, he's Kurt Ellings, you know, and I'm just like, man, he's looking for me. He's looking at me to, like, give him advice. Mm. And it's still a trip to wrap my head around it because you're just like, okay, I've respected this cat for a long time. I look up to him and he's done so much in his career that, like, the fact that he's looking at me to, like, kind of guide him musically says a lot. And so, because he's such a badass, yeah, you know, yeah. in general. And so... What like what did he trip. what did he ask your advice about? I mean, just I mean, vocal wise, just like you know, melodies for songs because you know we would lay out the template. You know, we would lay out the instrumental, mm-hmm. and um, you know, maybe I'll sing a riff of what I'm hearing. You know, just kind of like rhythmically speaking, and like maybe how it's the phrasing would should be for this song. Yeah, and you know, you know, some things it's funny. You have to kind of tell him like, "Yo, no, you can kill this man." He'll be like, "No, nah, I don't know if I'm cool enough for this man." Like, cause <laughs> we're pushed. We've, we've pushed him in a different direction. And what's been cool about this is like seeing like people are noticing like, okay, this is a different side of him. It's always been there. I always felt like Kurt was a soulful person. Right. Um, you know, and I, but I just feel like he just needed a different sonic, you know, a different sound sonically to like really get him to that space. That yeah. He can explore. It's like the one thing we didn't want to do is like, Okay, you know he's in, he's he's like in his fifties. So we didn't want to be like, all right, this guy is like, we're trying to make him this new this cool cat that's like almost like, all right, I'm having my midlife crisis. So I want to get a Harley Davidson or some shit. <laughs> it's like, no, we're just taking him 
into another space that maybe a lot of other people don't know he has. Like yeah. this is this is all music that he grew up on. He grew up on funk. I mean, he grew up in the seventies, so yep. like it's all familiar. Right. And it says a lot about him as as an artist and Charlie too to to just mm-hmm. like let you guys kind of help shape this and push them into a new direction. Because a lot of times when when an artist um, you know goes goes into a different lane like that, like they try to lead the way. Um, right. And sometimes it goes well, sometimes not. But I think, you know, uh, like you said, Charlie was like, well, you know, we, we could try and get Steve Jordan or somebody in on this. But it, like he was intentional about like, no, I know these guys. They're a younger generation. They're going to push us in the direction we want to go. Like, And it seems like maybe they didn't even have a super specific idea of, you know, exactly what this was going to be. But they, they uh, trusted your voice in that mm-hmm. in that vibe to kind of push them that way and we're open to it yeah no exactly you I mean you, you nailed it i mean it's, that's what happened i mean just the trust was there you know he um you know you know sometimes you know artists can get in their own way yeah. it's like they'll ask for your assistance on stuff and then all of a sudden you're trying to help them and they're like you know i don't like this i don't like that it's just like dude i'm here for a reason to try to like i'm not trying to change you but you also got to listen to me because you also wanted me to be here right. so like if you're gonna sit here and like i don't know self-sabotage in a way like mm-hmm. what am i gonna do yeah. so uh it was nice to have someone that wasn't um you know it wasn't ego driven whatsoever i mean he was just open to like suggestions um and at the same time you know it worked both ways like we weren't trying to make him someone he isn't right you know first right. and foremost like we just wanted to enhance whatever that other skill was that people haven't heard yet including myself and see where he can take it yeah um and at this point there's no going back you right. know what i'm saying like right. it's it's we, this is like the most produced music that i feel like he's done yeah like his records i mean we really have taken time to really like go in and make it happen like the rhythm section already has a vibe you know like it's not this whole like sideman type of thing where okay let me call my cats to come in and do this record here are the charts let's just lay it down two takes and we're out right. we'll do like a little mix and then put the album out yep. and the drums aren't knocking uh the bass ain't thumping like you don't really feel it it just feels sterile and like that's not what you want right it can it can feel sterile and it can also feel like on the positive side it can you know i think that's how a lot of jazz records are made it's like they're they're not mm-hmm. trying to like fashion or sculpt uh, a right. certain thing the way you would a butcher brown album or something like that you know a lot of jazz right, right. a lot of jazz records are meant to like here's here's what we sounded like today in the, moment. In the studio yeah um and there's something to be said for that but i think you know that's that's how all of kurt's records were made before like they got some arrangements they went into the studio he got his rhythm section that was it and it was like that was it yeah 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 it's how- just a chemistry thing man and it's just like you know we wanted to make sure like all right well the rhythm section is already locked in yeah and like you know we're homies and like let's just go in and make some music that feels good um and you know still paying respect to the past mm-hmm. what he's done you know in the past and like continuing on with that um but you know we just wanted to bring a different sound to it like let's like let's let's bring the warmth to it like almost sounds like you're in a living room or something yeah you know and you know we're just kicking it listening to records yeah and yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, the goal here. And, like, you know, it's, like, it's cool because I think it translates over to the live stage as well. For sure, yeah. You know, that's the goal. And, like, you know, we love that, you know, he he appreciates both. And, you know, 
you know, he's a bad dude. I mean, I respect everything he's done. Like, you know, the stuff with the big band, you know, when he did the Coltrane music. Yeah. Um, that was incredible. So it's like this same guy now sounds like Ron Isley on some of these songs. You're <laughs> like, oh, he has this skill too. You know, he's stacking his vocals. And you're just like, dang, okay, this is like real production happening here. Yeah. In a different way. I didn't know that side of Kurt before the pandemic because like... I didn't either. (laughs) You know, during the pandemic, probably around the same time that you guys were getting ready to record this stuff, um, he and Charlie like put up these duo things on on, uh, Instagram. And Mm -hmm. I jumped onto a couple of them. Like I would just rip them from the phone and like record drums to them in here and I would put them back up on IG. Um, but yeah, like yep. they did these kick-ass arrangements of like your cheating heart and uh, boogie down and like and like you were saying, I saw Kurt singing this stuff and I heard the way he was doing it. I was like, shit, Kurt's Kurt's got this in his bag. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it was, was. I mean, it was natural. It felt natural too. Like, yeah. Like I, I remember those clips, and you know, I had no worries or concerns that he would that he wouldn't crush it. Right. Like I knew he was going to crush this whole project. Like. You know, it's kind of amazing. Like, and he, to also watch him, because I think, you know, we all were a little nervous at first. And I think he was, you could tell he was still trying to figure it out. He may have been a little uncomfortable at the beginning when we would play some of the shows. Mm -hmm. But to see like the evolution in him, like start stretching out a little bit and like get in his bag. Yeah. You know, even just the stage presence, like it just, he was really getting into that stuff. And um, yeah, now, now it's like a whole show. Now that you mention it, like I, I would imagine the the live stage is where um, you know the the best of the Butcher Brown vibe and the best of Kurt and Charlie can like really find their stride because you can like mm-hmm. you can shape it in the studio and you did obviously, but like yeah. you know I mean Kurt is a live musician, <laughs> you know you got to go see it, man. Yeah, no, you got to go see it, and I mean it's the same thing with Butcher. I mean we're I mean, I look at Butcher Brown, we're like a studio band that produces mm-hmm. and like, but that's one piece of it. You know, we like to write music for other people, make that rap music and do all of that stuff, beats. But like, you know, I think the energy of a live show, it's just, you can't beat it, yeah. you know? And I, I always, you know, I have a good time doing both. Um, and with Kurt, I feel like, you know, people are asking me like, what is it like? And I'm like, you just got to come see it. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, and it's like, you're selling two different products, which is cool. Too. Yeah, like, for sure. Here, here's the here's the here's the live show here's the live concert and then here's the studio here's the cd here's the album mm-hmm. now check that out and you're gonna go hear that and you're like oh man this is cool this is very this is a little different from what i just saw yeah yeah so it's nice sure. to have that component so you you mentioned how like charlie and kurt kind of trusted you guys to to push them in a different direction and and kick their ass a little bit in what ways like whether live or in the studio uh has planned with those guys kicked your ass oh i was gonna say yeah i mean charlie kicks my ass all the time i mean he's <laughs> it's it's you know i learned so much from kurt he's an og man i mean both of those guys are like um you know they know what they I mean, kurt knows what he wants i mean it's funny because like kurt's very much more like the you know he likes he's like on a regiment like he wants you know it's organized he's an mm-hmm. organized he's very organized with everything he does where Charlie is on the spectrum with us, with me and like the butcher cats. Like right. he's kind of like he's kind of like fuck it, let's just play and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that's the way I operate. But it's nice to have that balance of both, um, you know. And we, we to see how like Charlie and Kurt operate, like it's neat, man. And so um, with Charlie, I mean, dude, he's he's very aggressive as yeah. a musician. Yeah, you know. And I'm pretty aggressive too. But in this case, you know, I'm laying back pretty tough on this. Like I chill. Like I'm just grooving out. You know, I'm not playing too much. It's just all about just 
just kind of laying it down and making it feel good and just bobbing my head the entire time. Right. You know, it, 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 honestly, I don't, I can't even, I feel like it's not really so much getting my ass kicked on the bandstand. It's almost more, I'm in awe of Charlie. Like <laughs> every day, I'm just kind of like, I can't believe how good you are. Yeah. Like you're really good at music, bro. Like I can't believe <laughs> the stuff that you play. And like, yeah. that's just all I can say. It's just like, you're really fucking great at playing this music. Like, and, you know, when he gets in his bag, you know, at the shows, him and Kurt both, it's just like, damn, like, y'all have not lost a step. Like, I'm the youngest person on stage, but, like, and I feel it because they're just they're just going in every night. It's right. fresh, like, um, you know, and I mean, Charlie's going to say, oh, man, you guys bring new life to what I'm doing, man. I'm like, bro, but at the same time, like, you are, like, you're just next level. I mean, it's yeah. Charlie. He's, he's a, a special. I mean, everybody respects him. He's a special musician. I think he's like a once in a generation kind of not just not oh, just yeah. in terms of of him as an instrumentalist, but just the way he thinks about music and the way he does music. Um, oh, it's different. He's really different, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They only made one yeah. of him. Um, yeah, but it's <laughs> it's interesting. You you mentioned how Charlie is like aggressive. Um, yeah, and and. I was going to ask you something like I didn't really get to completely form this question in my head, but I was thinking about it earlier today. I was going to ask you something about sort of like splitting the difference between Kurt's energy and Charlie's energy, because um, on on the one hand, they're very different energies. Right. Mm-hmm. But what you said about being aggressive is like they both they both share aggression, I think, in their play. Yeah. But it's it's different. I think Kurt's aggression is like very extroverted and it just kind of like comes out of him in these expressive ways. But Charlie, yeah. like Charlie's aggression is like sort of on stage at the groove at you. Like he'll just sit there and stare a hole in you like playing the, oh, yeah. the same thing over and over again, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, how, how do you find yourself between, you know, Charlie's just sort of very centered, grounded intensity versus Kurt's more sort of extroverted, expressive intensity? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't, I guess it comes natural at this point. I mean, I just sat, you know, when we sit down and like, you know, it's funny because Charlie plays a little bit more on top of the beat. We're going to get to like the technical side of it. You know, he's always like, you know, I play on top. Like, you know, I grew up in Oakland. So Tower Power, like yeah. those cats push. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm from the South, you know, I'm from Virginia. So like it's a little slower. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's just my personality too. I mean, I'm a pretty, you know, I'm not like super laid back guy all the time. I mean, I'm, I have my moments too, but, um, you know, we are play, we play our personalities. You know, yeah, like, for sure. I think Charlie's a real chill cat as well, but you can tell, like, oh, yeah, he grew up in Oakland. Like, you hear that sound. And so, like, he always tells me, he's like, y'all, y'all keep me, put, y'all kind of help me lay back a little bit, and I'm learning. But, like, it's it works, man. And then with Kurt, it's like, I don't know, it's an interesting marriage, man. I don't even know how to explain it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure it out because it just works. Yeah. I don't know how it works, but it just does, and it's natural. Um, I think it just has a lot to do with, like, Kurt, like it's just so much energy on stage, all jam packed into one space. Mm-hmm. And then with DJ to having the having the whirly and then the organ and then using delays on some of the stuff, like he's really amazing with the set with the sonics with his pedals. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we're bringing this almost like M1 DC type of um, experience to the to the stage as well. Like it's you know you hear like little little uh, moments of you know bitches brew in spaces. Mm-hmm. And you also hear, you know, just that whole sound, like the late 60s sound when cats were exploring. Yeah. Um, 
And then it's just like Kurt turns into an instrument immediately. Yeah. That you he, know, it's like that's a good way of putting crazy. it. Like he's not. I mean, he is an instrument, but like you know. No, I know exactly what you mean about how, he, like, some singers, and he's a great example, take an instrumental approach to their singing. Yeah. Right. So other yeah. singers are are very very lyrical, very melodic, um, and mm-hmm. and Kurt can be that stuff for sure. But like, yeah, there there are a lot of times when, like you said, he turns into an instrument and just goes for it, like a tenor sax player would. Yeah, yeah, because and it's funny because like you know he's a, it's interesting man. Um, the one I mean one of my favorite uh, moments with Kurt is honestly hearing him play like a slower song and yeah. like just sing. Mm-hmm. It's like something that I didn't know he he could. I didn't. I want to say he can't. Daddy, I didn't, I didn't realize he could do this. But to hear him in that space, it's like yo, this is a completely different cat right now. Like mm-hmm. you know, you hear like Al Jarreau in his voice. You hear you know John Hendricks and all those legends. But then to hear him like just sing, just sing the lyrics, you know, and kind of his like in his regular speaking voice almost. Yeah. It's incredible, man. Yeah, it's yeah. like you you are insane. And um, you know, there's moments too, like when he wants to get into the duo stuff on stage, and I'm like, whoa, I'm not even ready for that. He's intense, man. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, I gotta come with it. And I forget, like, you know, he's part of that generation. Like he's a real cat. Like mm-hmm. they you know, they come with that energy, like the old school. It's that old school thing, you know, Chicago, Green Mill. Like, yep. you can tell he spent a lot of time with the OGs growing up. Yeah. And so, like, he brings that to the forefront. And, you know, it forces me to kind of be like, all right, we get, we're going there. All right, cool. Because I'm not used to that at this point. You know, I mean, I've, I'm not around. I haven't been on a lot of, like, straight ahead gigs in so long where cats, like, just really come with that. Yeah. So I have to turn it on. It's almost like you got to rev up the engine a little bit for me to get going. For sure. And you like, know, you're especially not used yeah. to it from a singer all the time. No, I think that's what it is, too, man. Because he'll get all up in the face, like in my face on the kit and start going. And I'm like, oh, all right. How do I match this energy? Because yeah. he's putting it all out there every night. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is like, you know, the fact that he gives it all every night. Um, and, you know, he it just he leaves it all on the stage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty simple, man. And, I got to respect that. I mean, someone even at that age is still pushing and I'm grateful to be able to take part in like this new chapter in his career where, you know, he's inspired just as much as we are to Mm -hmm. just work with him and like, to like constantly just hit me up and like, I I send him music to check out. Like even when we were like trying to figure out the sound and like maybe a couple covers or just like the vibe we were going for, I'll send him things that he'll be like, man, I'm not familiar with this man. Like, Okay, I'm gonna check it out. Whatever, and um, you know whether he might dig it or not. It's just like putting ears on it, so he at least knows where we, you know, where our head is at musically. Yeah, you know, we're younger, so there's not gonna there's gonna be a little disconnect sometimes with stuff like we listen to rap music. Kurt doesn't. He's like, I'm not cool enough for that. He'll flat. <laughs> he'll flat. I'll say like, man, I'm not cool enough for this, but I think it sounds cool. Yeah, I respect it. Yeah, you know, so. You know, it's it's a cool like relationship that you know perhaps no one expected, and I don't know if it would have happened if uh, there wasn't a pandemic. You know, yeah. who's to say? Yeah, you know. So that's one thing I'm, um, you know, I'm very grateful for is just uh, the connection there, and you know, I think we're going to be making a lot of music together from here on.
so you mentioned how you like you haven't played like the real you know hardcore straight ahead jazz thing for a long time um you you spent time in new york you played with like nicholas payton jackie terrace mm-hmm. christian scott as you yeah. mentioned um mm-hmm. how, like how long has it been since that was your <laughs> day-to-day kind, yeah. of, kind of musical thing um i mean you know it's funny because like even, i mean i i, I don't work i stopped working with christian um pretty much 2020 early 2021 um and you know it's just because butcher started getting busier and I think it was just time for me to like step back and give someone else a, a younger cat a shot and, you know, to get in there. Cause you know, Christian is, you know, indirectly part of that Blakey lineage, yeah. you know, through, through his uncle Donald, um, being a, being a jazz messenger. And so like, you know, it's time to pass the torch on to someone else. What did, what did them, his, sorry, what did his uncle Donald play? He was, a, he's an alto player, Donald Harris. Was he before or after Bobby Watson in the messengers? Uh, he was after, I believe, late eighties. Okay, cool, cool. I I, yeah, he, I studied with uh, Bobby when I was in Kansas City. Um, oh, nice. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, Bobby spent you know a, a good long time. I think is the the Messengers he, alto player and and musical director and um. So right, Don, right. That's that's right. Donald succeeded him, I guess. I believe so. Yeah, I mean, he must have. I think Donald was with him like up until he passed. Mm, yeah. Okay. Like probably in like eighty nine or ninety. I can't remember, but uh. Yeah, so he did, you know, he was he was part of that. So, I mean, Duck was training him on, like, all of the stuff. I mean, Clifford Brown, like, learning all of that stuff, you know, just in terms of trumpet. But, um, you know, with Christian, it was interesting because it wasn't I – mean, we would play, like, Ida Hurricane and Dolores sometimes to stretch out on that. But it was a, it was funny. It was acoustic at first, but he was hearing almost like Andy Rock, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. over top of that, the changes and whatnot. You know, he was into Brad Meldow. Um, into like Radiohead and like just other alt rock stuff um, in the '90s. Um, so you would hear those influences, especially when Matt Stevens was still playing with him. And then it slowly like transitioned into more like a West African type of thing. You know, he was starting to go back into more of his New, or- New Orleanian roots, mixed with like West African rhythms. And so, um, you know, I can't even say I consider that the moment. You know, I was, you know. We were kind of mixing it up, like, but flat out swing, you know, man, I was getting that probably just, um, you know, working with, playing with some of my friends just in New York, more so at just like, j- just sessions, yeah, you know, really, yeah. like not so much. I never, honestly, man, I never got those calls so much by the time I came around and that may have had a lot to do with me not being in New York. And I was doing so much butcher stuff at that time. I was like already kind of locked into that. And right. Like, trying to get that off the ground. Right. Um, but you know, I played on some records, yeah. you know, I think a couple of records, I got to go back and remember now because it's been so long and it's just a career. My, I, my career just took a shift, you know, and yeah, you know, and that was it. And I want to talk to you about that because like, was, was there a time in your younger life when like, I mean, you went to the new school in New York, were you thinking like, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to be a jazz fucking drummer. Uh, and this is, this yeah. is going to be it. Let's talk about that. You know? <laughs> Let's get to that. I mean, so like, you know, I was, I was kind of a, I did a college tour. So new school, my freshman year, um, you know, I wasn't really feeling music school all that much, to be honest. It just wasn't for me. Uh, but I tried it. Um, then, you know, I didn't get a full scholarship. So like, I was like, man, do I want to stay here. I mean, I met a lot of incredible musicians just being in New York. Um, but I ended up leaving and going to the Dave Brubeck Institute out in California. Um, it doesn't exist anymore right now. I think they're bringing it back, but at the time it was in Stockton, California. Mm-hmm. And um, that was actually probably the turning point for me. Um, just like understanding 
one, how to work with other musicians because it was only five of us in the program. So you're you're working with working in a band situation. So you understand you're learning how to communicate with other people. And like if there is a disagreement, like you learn how to, okay, we can disagree, but like move forward and like figure out like, okay, what do we want to do instead musically? Right. So um, and the Brubeck Institute, like it's it's not a school per se. It's just kind of a program, like you said. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, it's like a hybrid thing. Like, you know, we had a, t- a professor that we would do theory classes with, and we had this thing called Jazz Styles, and everybody in the program was smashing. I mean, uh, Chad Leftwitz Brown was the saxophone player. Um, Noah Kelman. There's a bunch of great musicians, Zach Brown, Nick Finney, um, Well, great musicians, man. Like, we were hitting, like, playing, like, you know, we would a lot of original music. And at that time, it was, like, the era of, like, Modern jazz, like, you know, a lot of, like, odd meter stuff, unison bass lines with the piano le- doing, like, the left-hand stuff. And, yeah, um, yeah. You know, it was a thing. You know, we were trying to channel Kurt Rosenwick. Sure. You know, we were trying to get into, like, the Terrence Blanchard bag. Um, and it was fun. I mean, I wanted to be like Eric Harlan. I wanted to be Kendrick Scott. Like, yeah. those were the heroes. And they're still legends. I mean, those are those are dudes, man. And so, like, I was so tapped in with that. But, you know, my all-time favorite, especially of Cats Alive, is I would say is Kareem Riggins. You know, mm-hmm. and I had the chance to like link with Kareem and bring him to the Brubeck Institute um, as a as a guest artist. And you know, he only came for a day, but I was already I just admired his work as a producer and as a jazz drummer and just a drummer. Period, because I just thought he had such an interesting sound that, and you know, to see him like. It was confusing at first because I remember watching him on MTV with Kanye West hmm. playing MPC and like congas, congas, and like with a band with an orchestra and symphony. I was like, "Yo, he was on a Mogul Miller record. <laughs> That's the same guy over here. I want to be like him." Yeah. So that was part of it, and then of course um, Nicholas Payton came out there, and that's kind of where that relationship started. Yeah. So I was like 19 years old at the time, man, and so you know, yes. So like, kind of go back to the the point, you know, I was on that path of like, oh yeah, I'm trying to play the Village Vanguard and do all of that. But, you know, I was a little young for it because I think, you know, the the scene changed a little bit. That was the start of the shift, you know, a little bit. And, you know, there just wasn't a ton of gigging opportunities for for people like me at that time. I mean, you know, the industry changed. So like, I felt like, well, I don't want to just do my own thing, you know, and like... I hope that I get a chance to play with some of these cats. And, you know, Nicholas Payton, you know, he gave me the opportunity to, you know, tour with him a little bit and play some shows. And, you know, I don't even know if I was musically ready yet, but <laughs> apparently he claimed I was, but I was like up there nervous as ever. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, man, I mean, I was on that path for sure to like be one of those cats, at least in my mind. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't probably have the sound, you know, right now, if it wasn't for that music, if it wasn't for that, you know, it taught me touch and finesse and like, you know, you know, being able to like sit behind people like Marcus Gilmore, you know, that are like, you know, a couple years older than me and just like watch them play. And like the Justin Browns, Eric Harlins, you know, those cats, you know, it was it was it was an amazing period, you yeah. know, and, you know, those, you know, those cats are, you know, legends in their own right. So. Yeah, I thought I was going to be playing with Kurt. You know, I remember <laughs> the first my first Vanguard experience was seeing Rosenwinkel um, with my dad, and Obed was on drums. Obed yeah. Calvert was playing drums. It, it was nuts, man. And so, like, I was like, "That's what I want to do." I hope in ten years I can be on that stage with these guys. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's it's all part of the process, man. It was a journey. It's funny every time I think of Obed Calvert. I think of uh, the the one time that I went to um, 
Do you remember, like, what was the jazz convention um, that I... AJ? Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, now de- yeah. now defunct. But um, I went to one of those in New York, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. I was 25 or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, I saw... Um, I saw Antonio Sanchez play. I saw Ari Honig. Oh, um, yeah. I saw just, you know, all these amazing drummers that I knew about. And then I saw Obed. Pl- I don't even remember who he played with, but I had never heard of him. And, yeah. um, like, the experience of, like, being in New York. I saw Keith Carlock at Iridium. Oh, um, oh wow. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm, I'm in New York. I'm seeing all these legends. And then, like, you know, here comes Obed, this guy my age who I've never heard of. <laughs> I've never heard of him and he's just slaying. And I just remember this. Oh yeah. I remember this mind frame that I got in that was like, I, it, it was like a negative mind frame. It was just so, oh, in, sure. it was so intimidating to be in New York and, and see all these cats that I knew about, but then see this, you know, this other guy that I had no idea about who was just as good as any of them. And I was like, man, New York is just, Ooh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, so it's so many people. I mean, in, you know, he's a guy that like he kind of he, he's under the radar a little bit. He doesn't, you know, he's not on like social media, and uh, which right. is dope. You know, he's but he's like always been working. He's always playing with someone, I and mean, he's yeah. playing with fucking Seal. <laughs> and you know, I you know he also got the call to be in the Yellow Jackets um, after Marcus Baylor left oh, before man. Will Kennedy came back. So yeah. like he has so many different bags, man. And then um, he ended up, you know, of course now he's with Jazz Lincoln Center. He's doing that. Is Wait. he really? Yeah, he's the drummer in that now. So, so uh, Ali Jackson isn't doing it anymore. He's not. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I haven't. No, I, I believe he stepped back. Wow. But um, I know Obed's been on those dates, man. And I, and I spoke to Obed like a couple months ago, man. We we keep. I mean, he was a cat, man. Honestly, I used to hit him up all the time. Like I wanted to be like he was another drummer, man, that I was trying to follow. I used to set up like him and everything. You know, <laughs> when you're when you're young, man, you're trying to figure it out. So oh, yeah. like you try to channel. You're trying to channel all of these drummers and like trying to figure it out. And it's funny, like real quick, one story I got was a Nicholas Payton story when he came to the Brubeck Institute. We were playing, you know, he's kind of sitting there with us and like watching us play through our songs. And he stopped the band. He stops. He stops us and he's just like, uh, he's like all he says, and he didn't even look at me. He was just like, Corey, I know you love Eric Harlan, but I want to hear you. <laughs> 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 like you know i was all in that. my head turned to the side and like, i was trying to <laughs> mock all of his mannerisms i mean trying to really figure it out like yeah. being character you know and that's part of the journey man and so like you know I, I went through a period where i was sitting really high even though i'm, I'm six two so like i don't really need to sit that high mm-hmm. but like i was just trying to like get into that bag so like you know i remember lewis nash when I did a jazz program, the Vail jazz program was like, dude, you need to stop sitting that high. You're hunched over. Huh. But I was like, Chris Dave sits that high. So like, I'm trying to, he's like, Chris Dave is way shorter than you. You don't need to be sitting that high. You're going to have back problems. Yeah. So, you know, but it was one of those things. I'm just trying to like, you know, I was trying to find it. Yeah. You know, just trying I, to find it. I went through the same thing. In order. I went through the same thing with Carlock. Like I set up my drums mm-hmm. like Carlock for a while and yep. it, it kind of helped me like get into his bag, but it was just ultimately not good for me physically. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and like, you know, we've, we've talked with Dave Elich a lot and, and I've, I've mm-hmm. studied with him. Um, and he talks about how, you know, you, you should not and cannot emulate someone else's sound by emulating their setup or their physical yeah. approach. Because a lot of times, you know, some somebody sounds the way they sound, despite their physical approach, not because of it. Yeah. Right. Like that's right. He, he says that's the nature of being gifted. Um, yeah. 
And so, yeah, like it was funny how he, <laughs> he said, I, who, what drummer was it? I, I know you love so-and-so, but I want to oh, hear you. Oh, Eric, Eric Harlan. Yeah. Eric Harlan, right, right. I had the same experience when I lived in Kansas City. I was like, I was just mainlining Bill Stewart. Um, oh, of course. And... I went through that phase too. You know, <laughs> with the hand, trying yeah. to figure out the like, yeah, all of that. Yeah, stuff, man. Yeah. And I, I was at a gig um, and uh, like I, I played for the first time with a vibraphonist. Um, and for some reason, we didn't meet before the gig. Like he he came on late or something or his vibes were already set up or whatever. But we didn't get to talk until like the set break. So we played okay. we played a set. And, you know, like, you know, we, we break and, and he comes up, he comes up to me. He's like, what's up, Bill Stewart? And I was like, it, it was, it was a weird, uh, sort of dual moment because it, it, it was like, wow, I obviously sound like Bill Stewart and that's, yeah. that's a win, but, but is it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, and I think honestly, man, it's part of the process. Like, you know, I think about people like athletes, like Kobe Bryant. I mean, he was trying to emulate Michael Jordan. Yeah. You want to, you know, and it's part of the journey of like finding yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're, you know, when you're young, man, you don't know yourself yet. Like, I mean, I, I didn't. Yeah. It took me a lot of, I'm still figuring it. I'm trying to figure that shit out. And, you yeah, know, I, but I, I feel that, like I'm just it, getting there now. <laughs> yeah, man. So like, you know, I wanted to get in character. Let me figure it out right. on my own. And, you know, we're all different and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, I mean, I remember being out with Nicholas on tour and Vicente Archer was playing with us and he used to mess with me and be like, yeah, I hear all the Kareem. I hear the Kareem. I hear you, man. Like, but it was like all in support. He knew I was like 23 years old, like still searching for that. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's all, it's the, it's the process, man. I mean, you know, I think about like the, the, a lot of the great, you know, athletes and just whatever, whomever, and, you know, there was someone that they were trying to channel. Yeah. And eventually you get to a point where, Okay, you take a look, you take you're taking from that piece and then grabbing from some other stuff and you start to formulate your own sound. And so like, you know, I think it was all part of it. I mean, in another cat that like people don't talk about, at least for me, um, that was a huge influence on me was Jemiah Williams. Hmm. Um, probably one of the biggest influences just as an artist and as a creative drummer. Like it was just so he was just so cool. It's all around, like his touch. You know, I would I remember when he played with Kenny Garrett and then he started playing with Jackie Terrison. He was the one that was in, he was in Christian Scott's band before I joined. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his own band. I mean, he just had this bag, man. And it amazed me because I hadn't heard anything like that in a while. And so, you know, you know, I tried to channel him in moments too. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, as of late, you know, I've finally kind of developed, you know, I'm starting to get to that space where I'm just doing me. And I think it had a lot to do with playing original music. Yeah. That, you know, when you start writing your own music and just making beats and producing, you have no, I mean, it's you. It's all basically your sound. So, I mean, you can't really try to sound like somebody else on that. And I'd say that has helped me a ton with developing my sound. And I can't thank, you know, Butcher Brown for, I mean, I thank Butcher for allowing me to do that. That band, you know, has given me my identity. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing, you know, going into the stuff with Kurt and Charlie. It's like, oh, well cool i'm gonna just do my thing like I always yeah do. it's a, it's a great way of putting it like you know you you kind of found your identity with that band and now mm-hmm. with with uh stuff like super blue with kurt and charlie like that identity is being given a home and an opportunity to to move right. forward with right um exactly and i mean obviously butcher brown is is a home for that identity um, but now like you can you can move forward with that and and bring that to other situations and other projects 
Um, but in terms of like the jazz thing, do you do you have any desire to um, uh, like keep that muscle in shape or sort of like re-enter the jazz world and and try to bring your new identity? into it in like because you know in our younger years like you said we're just getting in character we're sort of yeah. we're just emulating people to just get in you know that that zone but this is something i've been thinking about recently is you know now now that i have a better sense of who i am as a musician and what my priorities are and and what i value mm-hmm. musically you know can i bring those musical values back into the jazz world do you think about that at all oh yeah i mean definitely i mean it's going to be in some form one way or another. Like, I mean, I talk about it with, you know, and with Butcher, like me and DJ, the band, we talk about it like, um, you know, doing like an acoustic record, doing it. Our, of course, like, you know, with our sound, like sonically, like, you know, uh, doing something like a, you know, some type of straight ahead record. Um, I don't know what it would sound like, but, you know, probably with some phases on the cymbals a little bit, you know, <laughs> but like kind of just, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I really love like Cal Jada, that mm-hmm. type of sound. Yeah. Like, you know, almost like hotel jazz, like lobby jazz. Yeah, like, yeah. Just just vamps, man, with like dope chords, like some sus chords, and you just kind of grooving out West, like two minute songs. West Coast loungy shit. Yo, that's my vibe. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, two and a half minute songs. Yeah. You know, nothing crazy. Um, I'm also thinking about just doing like a little jazz ep of my own just be recording to myself and just trying to like play through it <laughs> mm-hmm. um nothing really expansive no like crazy solos or nothing just you know all right cool let's just vamps and see where it goes and just try to like mess with the sound and like you know not make it too produced but just make you know try to get the drums to sound like i'm hearing it i mean i love like the yesterday's new quintet stuff that kareem and mad lib used to do mm-hmm. you know i used to i used to love the way kareem used to mix those drums like they sounded insane like it had that, it still had the, it would bump, but it had the jazz tone. Yeah. Like, you know, the drums, the, the, the kick still was like, it had that 18 inch sound. Yep. But you could hear the compression. You could hear the ride, the, the cymbal hiss with the yeah. rivets. Like, it just sounded so good. And like the snare, you could hear all the like little ghost notes in the left hand because, mm-hmm. you know, the way it was mic'd and mixed. So, yeah, I'm going to come back to it. I mean, I, we, we, we still tap in on that stuff now. Um, what I want to do, and we talk about it a lot, is like bringing a lot of the homies from that world into my scene mm-hmm. now. Like, yeah. oh, we'll do like a record. And it's almost like, you know, when, you know, rappers would do these records and have like their homies a feature on each track. Yeah. And just have a different cat on each song. You know, have a vibraphone or someone. So maybe it's Warren Wolf. Maybe it's Joe Ross. Maybe it's, you know, someone like that. Maybe yeah. have uh, Chad Leftwitz on the track. Uh, you know, bringing them into our scene. You know, maybe get Nicholas on something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just mixing it up. Get Kurt Rosenwinkel on the track. Kurt came to the show in Berlin when Butcher played it out there. And so that's already something that we're discussing. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of where my head is at. Um, that's always going to be there. I mean, I don't get a chance to flex those muscles as much, but, like, it's something that, like, I still sit down at the drums sometimes and just play a little bit, and I'll record myself playing, like, some straight-ahead stuff mm-hmm. and just, like, I'll just hit record, mix it, and then I'll come back to it and maybe layer with some other instruments. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have fun with that concept. That's kind of where I am now, and just I don't know, doing it on my own terms. Yeah, really. I was I was gonna say that exact thing. Like it's it's hard it's hard to play. Like if you're not if you know you're not um, part of that like hardcore 
New York thing. Like if that's not where mm-hmm. you live on the drums, it can be hard to find, you know, situations where you can play jazz on your own terms yeah. and, and not um, not have to go into fifth gear all the time. You know. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. I'm I'm on the lookout for similar things, and I mean, not only am I on the lookout for like opportunities like that, but I'm also processing like. Okay, how do I how do I actually bring myself to that situation and and not slip mm-hmm. not slip back into the you know twenty something year old mentality of like I gotta fucking get after it and blah like how can I bring the yeah. the laid back <laughs> uh, patient you know uh, groove based approach to jazz you know is there exactly. is there a space <laughs> is there a space for that in jazz is there a space for me in it you know. Mm-hmm. I think it is. And, you know, man, like what's cool is, you know, I mean, for me now, like I couldn't imagine going into a certain situation where they just want you to burn out and play yeah. 300 BPM. I don't hear that anymore, man. It's not fun to me. Like, yeah. I guess why I'm like, got to do it my way. Um, you know, <clears throat> the idea of like them wanting me to bash, like, you know, the older I get, the more spiritual this music becomes. And so like, if I'm not connected, man, don't expect me to just start bashing for no reason. And like, Okay, if you're going to that space, it's like, okay, cool, but I may not be hearing that. Maybe I just want to support. And I think just, you know, I have like a, a production mindset. Mm-hmm. At the, you know, I've just always been into that. And so my approach is always to kind of stay out the way. Yeah. I, I like to stay out the way, if that's their space to be in the front. And then I, I, you know, I may like say something in moments and respond, but I want it to be impactful versus just me like, run on just run on sentences and just talking nonsense for no reason because yeah. it's just what is the, what am i really saying because after a while it just sounds like a bunch of noise for me right and i don't want to be that person and so like you know i think it's just it's sensitive and for me and like i'd rather be in a situation where it's like it makes sense like you know that's why i love like a modular trio yeah you know just man. that the, they were all about the groove and the swing um ray brown trio yep. um you know I, I respect that stuff i mean i love vibraphone i mean i just think you know it's a maturity thing you know we're older now so like you know our perspective on it is a little different like we don't want to just go in and just burn out for 20 20 minutes on something modal yeah you know yeah get in get out go to the next song i want i like five minute songs yeah it's like all right these songs don't we don't need to be taking 10 choruses on a song like Let's keep this short. Yep. You know, my attention span ain't long enough no more for all of that. I right. don't want to check out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know George Slupik, right? Yeah, I know George Slupik. That's my man. Yeah. He turned me on <laughs> he turned me on to this record because like we were having kind of the same conversation just about groove and patience and all that. And he was like, check out mm-hmm. the record, uh uh the Lou Donaldson record, Alligator Boogaloo. With Idris, oh, no, I think I know what you're with about. Idris Muhammad on drums, and and he said, you know, I I heard that record for the first time years ago, and it just like blew my head open and changed my life. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna check out this record, and like Idris doesn't play shit on that record. <laughs> it's just yeah. like exactly what you were talking about, just the grooviest, most patient, most laid back stuff on these four, five, six minute songs. Um, and you know, in my, in my younger years, I would have heard that record and been like, there's, there's nothing here. What, what am I listening to? Right. Why am I listening to this? But like, you know, now it was about six months ago, listening to that record start to finish. I was like, man, that is, that is some samurai shit <laughs> that those guys it's a, it's, And he realized there's levels to this stuff, man. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on that spectrum myself, man. And I really, you gotta, 
you got to just follow like wherever the music is going to lead you. And at that time, and, and this, at this period of my life, it's like, well, you know, I just want to like sit there and like support. Yeah. You know, I've always had that mentality. You know, I think it, it just taught me a lot by being in different situations and you find out where you sit, Mm -hmm. you know, like I know I can probably go play a I can do a Kenny Garrett gig, but that's not where I'm at now. Right. You know, I love Kenny Garrett. I mean, he's still one of my favorite, he's like my favorite alto player. Like that as a young, when I was young, I wanted to be on that gig so bad. I couldn't imagine going up there and playing, playing those tunes now. Like, man, talk about a a dude you got to bring it with. Like I, I could every night he would eat me alive. Like, (laughs) He yeah. would just eat me alive. Same, same. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I mean, and, and it's just, you know, I'm willing, and I've said no to a lot, to certain gigs because I just know, hey, man, I'm not the right fit. Yeah. Like, I'm just not there, and I'm not in that space anymore. Like, you should call somebody that's actually in that space. Right. That headspace that really is trying to take it to that, to that, to go to the upper room, as they would say. Yeah, and when it comes to saying no to a gig like that, like, I, I think part of it is about... Um, you know, looking out for the person that's offering it to you and, and saying, exactly. you know, no, like I'm, I'm not the guy for this in the sense that like somebody else is going to do this way better than me and you're going to be way yeah. happier. But the other side of it is, is sort of like self-preservation, knowing that like trying to do that gig is probably not going to make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> that's real, man. At least well, that's real. what it is for me. It's like, I could try and step up to this and like really get into it. And I think as younger drummers, you know, we want to rise to those challenges. Um, yep. but as you, as you sort of get older and, and like we were saying, get to know your identity a little more, you see yourself in this situation trying to do it. And you're like, whether, like, whether or not I do a good job, I'm, I'm not going to be in a good headspace <laughs> for that. Yeah, it's just, exactly, man. And you know, I knew, like, even with, uh, you know, with Christian, you know, that's my bro. Like, I've, been, I've known Christian since I was 16. And, you know, early on, you know, that's a that's a gig. It's a drummer's gig, man. It requires a lot. And, you know, I started getting to a point where, you know, I just knew that, like, all right, I think it's time for me to, like, hand this off. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, you got to that space. I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, my, my, I'm doing my own thing now. Like, let me get them somebody young and hungry that is, like, trying to get busy for real and, like, go there every night, night after night. Cause yeah. no, every, I'm not going to be in that mood every day, Yeah, you know? And like, and that's what he wants. Yep. And so I got to respect that. And it's like, it's his name on the, on the, it's Christian Scott's band. So like, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. I knew it was time for me to go ahead and keep it moving. Um, just so like, it, cause it's not fair to him. Yeah. It wouldn't be fair to him or anybody else in that band. That's like trying to take it there. And it's like, if my head, my head is not in that space, like, what's the point yeah it shouldn't be there it's not selfish it's not fair to him and it's not fair to yourself because if 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 you're not up for getting into fifth gear every night um then you start to like not look forward to the gigs or maybe even be sort of resentful of that music just like god i gotta fucking bring it again (laughs) i can't just i can't just chill out (laughs) yeah i mean you know literally it'd be like come on more 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 like i'm like bro i don't have any more to give but i hear you yeah and it's just like you know and it's killing. It's just, you know, after a while for me, I was like, man, I'm, I don't know if this is who I, this is not who I am anymore. Right. And right. I accepted that. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think that was my, that was the time. That was the signal. Yeah. And so, you know, and you just have to know when it's time to make that move and dip out. You can't be scared. You just right. got to dip, you know, before, you know, it's too late. And then, you know, you you start getting jaded. And, yeah. You know, 
and, all this other these other personality traits start coming out. And you said the word acceptance, which is so great. Like if you can accept yeah. yourself, accept where you're at and and just, you know, uh, accept your own identity and say, this isn't my identity anymore. And I have something right. different and it's going to give me other other opportunities. But just like be accepting of what your sort of insides are telling you about the music you want to make um, yep. and not. You know, it, it. I like I said, as a younger drummer, it'd be easy to say like, "Oh, I'm, I'm not rising to this challenge. I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever." But if you can just accept, like, my identity's different now. I want to do something yeah. else. It's not a defeat. Mm -hmm. It's it's just an evolution. You're not hanging your head. Yeah. 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 No, it's, and that's real, man. Because I think maybe when you're younger, we would be hanging our heads and just be like, "Damn, man! Like, I got to go back." practice i'm sad right, like, right. <laughs> now you're just like nah man you're just not in that face anymore that's all right like accept it and move on yeah yeah um well cool man this was this was a great talk man i really i really dug meeting you and uh i'll let you i'll let you get on with your sunday i know you just got off the road so oh man i appreciate the convo <laughs> man this was great um where are you based at i'm in atlanta okay oh atlanta you're coming. You're you're doing the 420 fest, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's 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 dope. All right, yeah, man. That's yeah, good to know. We'll be in we'll be in touch. I'll try and make it out to that. Um, okay. And even if I don't make it to the to the throngs of people at the 420 fest, maybe we grab a cocktail somewhere. Yeah, no, that sounds great, man. That's good to know. Okay, okay. Yeah. Nice, man. Right on. We'll make that happen. Well, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, likewise, I appreciate man. you reaching out to me, man. I'm glad Charlie Charlie connected us, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I interviewed, yes. like, I know Charlie a little bit. I haven't gotten to play with him yet. I, I really, really fucking want to. But um, yeah. I, I interviewed him, like, three years ago or something for for the podcast. Nice. Um, and just, God, what a sweetheart of a dude he is. Um, man, I'm, I'm glad that he connected us, man. And, you know, I've actually been checking out, like, I, I checked out the J-Zone. Yeah. Podcast. That was dope, man. Um, and I'm I'm a fan of his just from like all the production stuff he had been doing. Just, yeah, you know, and it's crazy that he like learned drums like just over the course of ten years. Yeah, man. He yeah. It's it's so it's so crazy with him because like his his drum education is just so unconventional. Like he he heard a certain sound in his head. Like as a DJ, he was like, I want to learn to do that on drums. Exactly. And he, yep. he just went after that in a single minded way. You know, he didn't, he didn't waste time with shit that wasn't his, in his lane. You know, yep. he was like, I want to learn how to do this on drums. And he yeah. fucking, he fucking yeah. did it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, man. Like, you know, cause I, I, I come from, I mean, I've, I've been playing since I was two years old, but like, um, you know, I come from a similar space where it was just like, you know, my inspirations were stuff my parents would play in the house. Like, yeah. I didn't have music. My parents aren't musicians, but like my dad, you know, they listen to good stuff like Jamiroquai, Brand New Heavies, and you know, the classics, of course, too. So, you know, I was trying to emulate that sound when I would get on the kit, you know, just trying to groove out. And so, yeah. like, to hear someone that's like coming out of that space as well and like really loves breaks, you yeah. know, it's like I got the ultimate respect for that. Because they really get into the sound and dive into feel. Totally. And it's so interesting. Like we were talking about your identity sort of evolving. Um, he he did it in such a different way because I don't I don't feel like he changed his identity, like moving from DJ to drummer. Like his identity uh -huh. remained the same, but he just evolved a different way to express it. Which yeah. is like reverse engineering in some crazy like he's <laughs> he's he's a, a another special really special musician 
Oh mm-hmm. man, he's bad. I mean, it just it was just an expansion of what he was already doing. Yeah, yeah. You totally. know, it's a trip. So uh, yeah, man. Cool. Well, hopefully, I'll see you in ATL here in a little bit. Um, yes, but we'll, was, we'll figure that out. Yeah, great talking with you, man. Thanks for doing it. Appreciate it, bro. There you have it, Corey Fonville. Thanks again to him. Check him out with Butcher Brown and Super Blue. Both projects are easy to find wherever you listen to music, and one or both of them are likely to show up live somewhere near you before too long. Next week, Matt Krause will be talking with Nashville heavyweight Shannon Forrest. This one's been a long time coming. He's been on our wish list forever, and he's actually been somewhat of a white whale for Matt, so really glad that's finally happening. Stoked to hear it. Hope you check that out. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you.